0: Alright, well, let me take you back to nineteen ninety-six. What do you remember about that year? Was it the Chicago Bulls sending their most wins for that season? Tupac? Beanie Babies? Seinfeld? Or was it the gas price averaging a dollar twenty-three? Oh, feels so good, nineteen ninety-six. In 1996, I was 13 years old, and I was living my best life. I was crushing on Freddie Prince Jr., and um, I was playing handbells, and I was on track to becoming student body president. I was a really real cool kid. Every night in my bedroom on my boombox, I would listen to the top nine at nine. You'd hear like the top nine songs, whatever it was, and you'd, I'd write them down in this little little journal because I thought maybe if I call in, I would get those songs right. And every night around a certain time, there was a song that really came on that was it always, I had a question about. It was called Champagne Supernova by Oasis. Anyone remember that song? Yes, good. So I wondered, what the heck is a supernova? And my dad had got us these encyclopedias that he bought from a guy that came to our house, and he thought, because these encyclopedias were in our house, we're going to be smarter, Okay. I don't know. That's questionable. Science and math were not my strong suit. So instead of googling, because that was not available to me back then, I had to go to those encyclopedias and find out what a supernova was. And it is the explosion of a star at the end of its life. It is the largest eruption that takes place in outer space. And unfortunately, our human eyeballs just can't see it. One of the two things has to happen in order for it to take place. Either... This giant star it starts collecting the other matter around it and then it creates a sudden reignition of nuclear fusion. The second is the star is just completely depleted of nuclear energy and it causes a gravitational collapse. When a supernova finally occurs, there is this shock wave that is sent into the interstellar triggering the formation of new stars. I believe our relationships are kind of like supernovas. Some of us have spent our entire life gathering people into our life that have reignited our faith. And that impact creates new stars, allowing others for, to shine. But for some of us, we have become completely depleted of all real relationships. So, are you reigniting or collapsing into this world? Today we're going to look at how real relationships set the foundation for our faith. Let me ask you this. By having a family member, a friend, or a work colleague, does that automatically, mal- automatically mean that you have a real relationship with them? In college, uh, if you were interested in hanging out, dating somebody, you had to have a DTR that was called a Determine the Relationship. It was well before Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. So I think each of us could kind of go through the relationships in our life and physically think about the people that we see. Are they a real relationship? Is it authentic? Real relationships, they set the foundation of our faith. But what does a real relationship look like? I wondered, how can we measure this? These are the types of things that I thought people would say. I have known this person my whole life. Okay. Well, my counterpoint to that is there's a lot of people I've known my whole life, family members I've gone over to holiday at their houses, had some devil eggs and said, see ya next year. That's not a real relationship. Well, I share everything with them. I just, we talk all the time. Well, I agree transparency plays a huge factor. Can you be fully yourself with that person? Are you holding up an image that really hasn't been you for the last five years? Are you that same person with them behind closed doors? We talk, we talk all the time, all the time. Okay, okay. do they really listen do they really listen to you or are you speaking talking about your life and they're just kind of maneuvering the conversation back to themselves when you dive in deep there is a lot to think about and you may be saying thank you so much danielle for making me feel like i have no relationships in my life but i've done the same thing i ask the questions because i wonder about that too I recognize, am I someone that fosters real relationships, or am I just expelling all of my energy into the ether? In the end, it's your relationship, so you get to pick the factors that are most important to you. For me, authenticity is huge. The kind of connection that allows me to genuinely connect with someone, as hard as realness can be, I value that quality the most because I know I can then let down all of my barriers, and I can speak honestly. I'm not wondering, are they putting up a front? Because they're able to share the fun things in their life and also the failures. And that gives me the permission to do the same. Maybe you've had some relationships in your life that have been a little too real. Maybe you grew up in a broken home, or there's a lot of trauma in your life that you don't want to have to relive or maybe there's these negative relationship patterns that just keep following you throughout your life. So a quick exercise that you can all do, because we're all different, we all have different personalities, different ways that we connect with people, is think about what are the two factors that are most important to you in a relationship? Just two. And then look at all of your Rolodex of people in your life and say, are those two factors there? If so, great, maybe there's just a little bit more time that you can invest into those relationships, and if not, it's okay to still love that person, but maybe we need to set a boundary in place or have a discussion about it. If we don't have real relationships set in place, other areas of our life are gonna be affected. Our emotional health, our work, even our faith is gonna suffer. The beautiful part is that we get to choose. We get to choose the relationships in our life, and we get to fill people uh, in our life that mean something to us. And guess what? We mean something to them. Hobby Lobby and Etsy, they have made a mint off the Bible passage we're going to talk about today. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As you can see, it's on every wooden sign. It's on every coffee mug. It's even on doormats, which I don't know how I feel about stepping on the Word of God. this verse, it is found in the Old Testament book of Joshua, and it was the leader of the tribes of Israel, Joshua was. He was Moses' right-hand man, and he succeeded him. But now Joshua, Joshua, he's giving his final speech. He's talking to all the Israelites. It was kind of like, listen, guys, I'm 100 years old. I don't have much time left, but look at everything God has done for us. Joshua built a lot of relationships with these people. They were his family. And you can't tell me that they didn't have anything to talk about while they were wandering the desert for 40 years, right? Moses saw something special in him. He mentored him, and he had this genuine friendship. It was authentic. And the Israelites saw that, they were able to witness that, and imagine all of the things that they went through. They fleed Pharaoh, they crossed the Red Sea, they trusted and not trusted God to protect them. And then they finally entered into the promised land. So when Joshua gets up to speak, there is so much backstory to his words. They can't help but listen because the foundation of true relationships have been built. Having a foundation for anything is critical. A house of cards, obviously the homes that we've lived in. Without it, everything would collapse. In the summer of 2006, I was a part of a work trip to New Orleans. We were helping with the wreckage of Hurricane Katrina. We arrived. Ten months had already passed since the Category 5 storm had come through. And what I witnessed was unimaginable. I saw people's whole lives just laying on the side of the street. Our group uh, specifically worked with one family's home, and our job was to demo all the walls. The mold was crawling up to the ceiling, ripping all of that down, the cabinets and appliances. They were just shells of themselves. At the end of the week, we saw that there was this concrete slab. That was all that was left with the studs. And this picture of a foundation, it took the weight of the wind and the water and the damage, and it remained. This wasn't a fun job, but it was worth it to see this family return with smiles on their faces, that progress had been made and that their home was their core, and together that they were able to build the sure foundation. We have some families today that are dedicating their kids, and we believe here at Westridge that child dedication is a way for parents to have an opportunity to express that they publicly desire to want to raise their kids in the ways of God. And it's for us as a church community to get to support them. Each of these families are building into their child's foundation. And as a parent, I would say my biggest fear that i have in my life is not clowns even though i find them truly disturbing all right my greatest fear is that our kids will not have a relationship with jesus somehow i think i'm not going to do enough i'm not going to be the best parent to help them understand that relationship And yeah, I believe and trust in Jesus. Like, I'm here on the stage telling you I love Jesus, but my human nature, it kicks in often. And I know neither myself nor Eric can control that outcome for our kids. And I have to constantly give that back over to him daily. Just like these parents today, dedicating their kids, we're gonna do everything through God's grace to set a foundation for them to let our kids know that I have dedicated my life to Jesus because he has changed my life. We're going to lovingly encourage them along this journey of faith and be example in allowing this foundation to be set. It gave me hope to read this from Jesus's brother James, who was real skeptic of his brother for some time, but he said this, you see, farmers do this all the time waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. I love that. Valuable crops. I think of our kids. And if you have the patience for a green thumb and the tenacity to grow things, as I do not, you have to put a seed in and then you get to plant it but you know that if you put it in on day one on day two you can't harvest that seed it's not ready to go yet roots take time foundations take time our children's faith our own faith it takes time so my encouragement to all of you today is that you continue to trust god and know that patience and slow work is going to build a strong foundation even as we look back at Joshua and the Israelites, I'm, felt, I'm sure he kind of felt like this dad in a minivan on a never-ending road trip with hundreds of kids asking, are we there yet? Telling little Michelle and Abdon to stop hitting each other and just pay attention to what God is telling them. The people of Israel, once they had settled into the land God had promised them, you would think that a foundation of miracles providing food and direction and allowing them into this promised land, that 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 would be enough. But just like many stories in the Bible, our humanity takes over, and they kept looking at all the other surrounding towns and all the gods that they were honoring. So maybe they could just put their foundation there. Maybe there would just be something more. Joshua said, put away from you any gods your ancestors serve, and serve only him. If you decide that you're not willing to serve him, then today is the day for you to choose whom you will serve. That's the thing I like about Joshua. He just kind of says it like it is, and he's like, listen, I'm going to be punching out soon, so you're going to have to make a choice for yourself. You've complained, and you were constantly annoying, but yet God still chose to hear your cries, and we conquered, and we were blessed because of him. You know the foundation of our people, and now it's up to you. So what is your foundation? In what ways can we focus on that this week? It's something that we need to work on rebuilding, possibly. Maybe it was shaky to begin with. If you didn't grow up in the church or you didn't have a family who talked about faith, great. That's okay. Now you have the opportunity to have a real relationship with a father who is there for you every step of the way. And it's going to help you build it from the ground up. But make sure you hear this. It is not our job, it is not our job to build anyone's faith but our own. We have the privilege of real relationships that allow us to build trust and foster other people's foundations. But it's up to us and to Jesus to build our own faith. We can't hang on to the faith of our parents who brought you to church in your scratchy Sunday school clothes. It's not the faith of your VBS leader or Sunday school leader you had that one summer. It's not the faith of that WWJD bracelet somebody gave you and you just threw it in a box somewhere. Maybe you had faith and you checked off the box once, but you didn't look back. We're all adults here, right? As an adult, we have a lot of responsibilities, and this is one of them. You get to own your own faith. And just like these families dedicating their kids today, I'm asking you, where is your faith dedicated right now? Where's your life dedicated? Uh, I know Samantha, He's, she's here. We had a baptism a couple weeks ago, and Samantha, she just walked in her street clothes into the baptismal, and it was awesome because she chose to own her faith. Joshua said, if you decide that you're not willing to serve him, then today is the day for you to choose. God's speaking through Joshua saying, come on, you have to make a choice. Either way, just stop being vague about it and Be intentional. I feel like God is saying, I don't, know, well, I don't know what else I can do to show you how much I love you, how much I love the Israelites in the story, but now it's time to determine our relationship. What is your faith? What are you going to choose for yourself? There's no force. It's just an option. How long have you been turning away saying, you know what, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to eventually own it when I'm a little bit older. I wonder, if faith completely walked out of your life, what would happen? I know personally, I always try to do it myself. I want to believe what I believe is best. And guess what? That never works. It's always like putting a Band-Aid on a broken water main. Why do I forget my own faith? The foundation that I need to go back to, it's exhausting. It is exhausting being humans. We know that. It is exhausting. But he doesn't want us to hold the whole world on our shoulders. It is too heavy for us to handle. So just like Joshua was giving the Israelites a choice, so does Jesus. A lot of people think, like being a Christian or loving Jesus, that you're kind of like this zombie robot. But faith is not pre-programmed in us. Either we do it or we don't. Jesus believed in relationships, and we need to forget religion. That's not what this is about. It's a real relationship with Jesus that helps us discover he, what he desires most for us and how we can better our faith. But if you make that choice, how can you own it? So the first thing I'd say is stop playing the blame game. You know, my parents, they never taught me that. I don't know. I don't know what my spouse or my friend's going to think. I never grew up in a Christian household. I'm a millennial. Okay. okay, there's a lot of factors that have spoken into all of our foundations, but don't you think that by shifting the blame over and over again, it is completely taking us away from our faith, right? We're going away from our foundation because we're focusing on that blame. If you stay in that mindset, it's no good. Number two, I put a decent, a really good amount of effort into this message today. But are you just going to blindly believe everything that I'm saying, right? You need to find out for yourself. Challenge it. Discover something about this passage, anything in Scripture. Look at the evidence in your own life. Because when we do the work, our faith is going to become stronger. And third is we have to foster it. Read the Bible. We talk, we talk about these things like all the time. It's not a surprise here. Get involved with a community group. Have a real conversation with a friend about faith. Listen to a podcast, maybe from other people's perspective, not just your own. Have you ever tried praying? Just putting it out there, okay? Whatever you do, have it connect you back to God in a real way for others in Jesus. Building our foundation takes one brick at a time. And 110 years old, Joshua passed away, and the people of Israel, they did a really good job, really good job for a while. But eventually they turned away. And just like we learned in our, our last series, "The Story of God," that is the whole reason we kept messing up over and over and over. That's the whole reason that God sent his son, Jesus, because we cannot do faith without him. For me, it is a choice that I'm never going to look back from. I still fall short. Yes, absolutely, every day on the hour. But because of the real relationships in our life, they help us set the foundation of our faith. And that is what I know to be true, that God, he is sold out for you. He's like a loving father who has been there the whole time. He's just waiting. He's just waiting to have a real relationship with him. So we can firmly set our foundation of our faith. And you can confidently say one day, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord.